What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets, download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line it's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI, it's possible because they're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, friends, and welcome to this golf podcast unlike any other. Oh, yes, my friends, we have done it. This is Fairway Rollin! A golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House, joined as I am. Every week by our incomparable, accomplished, our PGA Tour correspondent, boots on the ground. This week, my birdie buddies, my eagle enthusiasts, my par-saving pals, a very special guest, a guy that's so overdue for this podcast. It's a little bit of a quiet moment in the tour schedule, so we thought we'd get a little perspective on what we've seen and get prepared for the next six, eight, ten weeks of jam-packed tour action Shane Bacon is on the pod with us today. It's a three ball all the way through. The first tee is wide open. Let's get over there and get some pegs in the ground. All right, my birdie buddies. We are at this quiet moment in the most unique 
season in the history of professional men's golf. And we appreciate the opportunity to catch our breath. Um, we're using it to kind of gain a little perspective and, and try and contextualize a little bit about what's to come. The next two months are jam-packed. So we went into our uh, network to find an, an appropriate luminary, a true elder statesman. And, you know, this guy, I don't know why it is that he, this is the first time he's come on here. It's he's the fault. host of, it is our fault. He's the host of the Get a Grip Golf podcast. He's a contributor to the Fried Egg. He's the author of the Golfer's Zoo uh, children's book. And he is by far the most handsome face in golf, Shane Bacon. Welcome aboard, buddy. I mean, Jesus, Adam Scott retire? What's going on here? Come on. <laughs> give, give, give the credit where credit is due. He's, he's a little bit old now. I mean, he had his it's moment. Getting gray. It's getting gray yeah. here, House. No, I, I appreciate you having me on. I've been a big fan for a long time. So um, thank you guys for having me. Well, the, the feeling's mutual. Um, I called you an elder statesman because you've been around and in our lives for coming up on a full decade now. And I think you got your start um, at the U.S. Open at, at Chambers Bay. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I was um, I was writing and blogging house, uh, you know, in the in the early days. I mean, I remember uh, I was refreshing uh, your boy Bill Simmons article when I was in college, <laughs> uh, page two during journalism classes. And uh, was sitting courtside covering University of Arizona basketball for uh, the Daily Wildcat at the time when somebody introduced me to Deadspin, you know, in oh. the early Deadspin days. Uh, yeah. I, um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was writing and kind of covering the game from that perspective for a bit. And then, yeah, that was kind of my big break into the TV world was, was Chambers Bay. I did uh, featured whole coverage there, and it was the, the biggest deal of my life. And then kind of from there, uh, it snowballed a bit. The thing that I'm noticing about golf media more than ever is that the most interesting, innovative stuff is actually happening outside the mainstream. And the mainstream golf press is sort of moving to catch up. Kudos to a lot of the broadcasts who have, at least it feels like they've been reading the golf Twitter sphere. But, um, but talk about how you think about golf media right now, your position in it. Um, start there. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, um, golf is evolving very quickly. I know we're going to get into uh, PJ Tour versus Live, and kind of where Live's going here in just a bit. But God forbid, you know, I, 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 I don't pay as much attention week to week to professional golf maybe as I used to because golf is such a unique sport. In you can cover it not as a professional golf analyst, and yeah. there are so many different avenues and ways to present the sport and discuss the sport. I mean, all of us have handicaps. All of us play golf uh, competitively or in different ways. Uh, for money with our friends, you know, whatever the case may be, that's obviously not the case in any other sport, especially, you know, when you get to our age. So, you know, I just, I, I saw some opportunity elsewhere and uh, it's been a lot of fun kind of chasing down what I see, not just, you know, in 2023, but over the next two, three, four, five years of what I think and where I think we might be going. Yeah, that's a perfect pathway into, you know, what I, I call it at the top. And we've been we're talking about it all, all season long, this, this incredible, once in a lifetime kind of season because it really isn't uh, sustainable the way that the the tour has crafted its schedule th this season. Um, but 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 that that's fine. It, it's been terrific for us in in the content biz because we 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 really are have been front loaded with all these incredible 
mano a mano competitions among um, the best guys in the world. As you've sat from your seat and kind of taken on this season, how has it felt to you? How have you sort of experienced it? You know, the, the biggest takeaway, I think, for me, House, watching golf this season, and it just happened in Mexico, and I know we're going to talk about Mexico, is I've never felt the weight of the top 20 players in the world as much as I feel it this year. I feel like because you'd get one week, you'd get Spieth and JT and Rory, and those were the headliners. And the next week, you get Max and John Rahm and Finau, and they were the headliners. You didn't quite get a grasp of how good the top 15, 20 players in the world are. And then the gap starts. And, you know, in Mexico, right, the two biggest names, the two betting favorites, and they're the two guys battling it out. And I feel like what we've seen with this concentrated schedule is you don't just get the best players in the world going at it, but you're getting the best players in the world at the top of the leaderboard going at it. And that has been, to me, the biggest surprise, I guess, is we knew how good the best in the world were. I just don't think we knew the gap that existed between those players and that next crop. And I feel like that's really been established in 23 with the must-play events we've seen on tour. Yeah, there's definitely been some separating. But we've also had some guys who it just feels like have been worn out. I mean, I can't believe Spieth played as well as he did at RBC, given the way that he was communicating how tired he was. Finally, this week, we're going to hear from Rory, who did the one thing he hadn't been doing, which was go quiet and go away for a little bit. Rahm is missing this week. Scheffler's missing this week. I, I, I don't think it's really criticism of the tour because I, I just think we all got to applaud them for moving in real time. But did they overload this? H- have they made some mistakes? And, and what do you think they're going to think about for next year processing what they've seen through this first part of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think the early part of the season has been exhausting. But at the same time, the early part of the season has been exciting. So I think you kind of have to weigh those. The fans are loving it, right? I mean, uh, how can you not? And I've always said the West Coast Swing is my favorite part of the golf season. I mean, now living on the East Coast, I get it prime time. You know, it's cold, you know, in Connecticut. You get to watch Riv and you get to watch Pebble and you get to watch Scottsdale. And that's exciting as a golf fan, not to mention, obviously, getting late, late night golf in Hawaii. But yeah, I mean, I think the the events following a major will probably go away next season. I think a lot of that was to honor the sponsors that have stuck around and have stayed with the tour through all these years. We're going to see that as well at the Travelers Championship where, you know, it's not going to be an hour and a half drive. It's going to be a five-hour flight from the U.S. Open to the Travelers, which is going to be elevated as well. I think that'll probably go away in terms of what we'll see next season and moving forward. But I, I'm with you, Nathan. I think I, I credit the PGA Tour for at least trying something in real time. And I thought you kind of nailed it when you said that was maybe this isn't perfect, but it's at least attempting to change something that had been stagnant for a long time. And now what we're seeing is the other events, if you will, the other PGA Tour events are going to need a facelift as well, because those weeks, the ratings have dipped, right? The ratings have gone up when it's been elevated and they've dipped when it hasn't been. And so what's the change going to be there? I don't know what that perfect recipe is, but I'd say so far outside of backing up, you know, the Masters with the RBC and making the players show up for the most part, and that being an exciting event, I'd say it's it really, really been was. a win-win for PJ Tour, and they have to feel like, even if the players are a bit tired and exhausted, this is kind of when you get it. And starting, you know what, now through July, we get three majors, and that'll be exciting as well. And I'm sure these players, you know, come the playoffs, will be singing a different tune, and that'll be another thing they'll have to evaluate is how do you make the playoffs exciting when these players have kind of run January through July. But again, if they're willing to make the changes they made in 23, that shows me they're willing to at least listen to the players and make some possible changes at 24 and beyond. Shane, I want to follow up on that. Um, 
you sat in the chair of, of a network trying to cover this tour. And we know that Rom is now, I mean, it's May 1st and Rom has basically broken the single season record for earnings on tour. And, and, and the truth is a lot of this was done to pay these guys what they're worth. As you sit back and watch the coverage now, there actually hasn't been as much focus in these elevated events on just how much everybody's putting for as they come up 18. I, I'd just love to get your perspective having sat in the chair. Is that something that they should be introducing into the sport? We're talking a lot about betting. We're just not talking as much about how much money these guys are making in real time. Is there a way to integrate that to keep uh, the sort of energy and fan interest, or does it just become a slippery slope? I mean, I 100% say yes. And if you go back and dive into the SI vault, like I nerdily do, you know, a couple times a week, what's the first line or the second line in these old gamers about the Bob Hope or the Pebble Beach Pro-Am? It's about how much money these players made when they won yep. the golf tournament. And I feel like that's gone away a bit. And a lot of the reason is because of the FedEx Cup and they want the focus to be on FedEx Cup points and less yep. on the money. But as I've said for a long time, just make the FedEx Cup points money. Then all of a sudden you understand how much you're earning week to week. Because I don't know what 500 FedEx Cup points to me means yeah. when you think about it in terms of what a player is taking home. You know it helps them a lot to get into the playoffs or to position themselves in a better spot. But, I mean, if you just make point to dollar amount, then you can lean a little bit more on how much a putt's worth and how much a double bogey late takes away from a player. And again, I think outside of the winner, which we focus so much on week to week, that gives an additional volume play to the broadcast and to the players that are 8th and 12th and 18th is all of a sudden this putt on 18 is worth $65,000. If you're watching at home and that flashes on your screen, you're going to perk up a bit. And I think yeah. I think we have forgotten a bit about the money. And I think that was probably a little bit of player influence and a little bit of the FedEx Cup. Influence. Yeah, the, di the difference between 50 and 51 this year and 70 and 71 is huge. And they're real high-profile golfers who may fall outside that top 50. It's a very interesting story that... So far, they haven't quite figured out how to tell yet. The only nuance to that that I think, you know, you'd want to like carefully sort of construct is you don't want to be in the position of just talking about the money so that the live broadcast can talk about the money because the live broadcast is all about the money. It's a great point. So, I mean, you know, there there is a nuance to it. And, and you know, the, the point that Nathan just made is the nuance, right? It's the difference between being inside the bubble, inside the top 50 bubble, inside the top 70 bubble, and what your career trajectory looks like based on that. Um, but the money definitely is a, an important element to it. Um, speaking of money, we have to give out some flowers. We got to do it for Top Gun Tony. We've made it all this way into the podcast 11 minutes, and we're just getting around to Top Gun with his fourth win in, in nine months. And we've been waiting and waiting and waiting his whole career and here we are now. We don't think that he deliberately waited until the Netflix show was coming on so everybody could fall in love with him and his family all at once and, and see the success. He had the family with them again down in, in Mexico, right, Shane? I mean, another great performance by Top Gun Tony. I mean, what do we see in terms of leaps? I mean, in-house, I know you follow every sport and you pay a ton of attention to it. What happens when players make leaps? Well, they take a part of their game that is a deficit and they turn it into a positive. And look at Tony Finau in 2023 and a lot of what he did last season. Putting was the struggle for Tony Finau. I mean, you go back to 2019, he was 125th 
on the PGA Tour in strokes game putting. He's 25th this season in putting. We know he can hit the ball a mile. We know he can hit the ball straight. We know he takes a lot off his fastball to get the ball in play. Then he's got a lot left in the tank. And we also know how great of an iron player he is. And now all of a sudden, you've got a top 25 putter on the PGA Tour rolling the rock. That is going to lead to victories. And also, House, I think you know winning is, is a skill, right? And we've seen it, especially in individual sports. Some people know how to win. Some people don't. And some people learn it over time. And Tony Finau's route to professional golf was very interesting and very different. And he feels like a guy that week to week, especially over the last year and a half or so, has felt more and more comfortable in those moments. And as you get more comfortable there and you have the skill set to provide victories, it's going to get easier to win. I love the fact that Rom was in contention. I love the fact that he got to play with them. And I think if that does nothing else, it's going to boost the confidence because this was a lesser event, if you will, a slightly watered down field. Yet, he faces off with the number one player in the world and beats him. So every single milestone and every single victory, going back to the 2019 Masters, who's he playing with? Tiger Woods. Who does he not beat? Tiger Woods. But he gets to see it up close, and he gets to see what you got to do down the stretch to get it done. And now Tony is finally getting it done. And I said it to start the year. I think he's going to win a major this year. And I feel like LACC sets up perfect for him. It really does. He's leading the tour this year in shots gained approach, which is not really the way you think about Tony Finau. I do wonder how much those experiences changed him because if if we rewind two years, everyone's basically in the nicest way possible saying Tony Finau is too soft to win, right? He's too nice of a guy. He doesn't have the killer instinct. Well, he couldn't be a nicer guy. He was caddying for his kids three hours after uh, he won yesterday on the par three. It doesn't feel like he's had to change his personality in the way that you and I both know Max has changed a lot of who he is and his whole routine and what he does to become the best golfer that he could possibly be. Doesn't really feel like Tony had to do that. He did talk after the round about how it's so important to be aggressive in those situations. The best version of himself is when he's shooting at pins on Sunday. Maybe he didn't do that before, but do you think that evolution was just him quietly, passively learning? Or was there something that really clicked in him? I think it was just simply understanding that if the parts of his golf game that he struggled in could improve, then it was going to be really hard for people to play at his level. And I feel mm-hmm. like he's now elevated to a place where nice guy, great guy, or Steph Curry yelling at 50 Cent, th- this guy is a killer on the golf course simply because his game provides killer instincts. He doesn't have to yeah. be a different guy. He doesn't have to change his personality. But if you're rolling putts in at the clip we're seeing, if you're leading the PGA Tour and these monumental statistical categories, then your game will lend itself to winning. And I mean, sometimes other people can do it for you, right? I mean, you think about the playoff at Liberty National. He didn't have to do much there. He gets a victory out of that. And now you face off with John Rahm and you outplay him simply because your game is now to the level you can do that. And it wasn't there a couple of years ago. So, you know, you credit Boyd, you credit the team, you credit his ability to put in that work. You know, I, I was interested in hearing, I think it was on Pardon My Take, Max was talking about, how hard it is to maintain this level of play that he's at right now. And, you know, you think about all that Homa has done to get to this place, and he's improved his pitching, and he's gone from one of the worst chippers on the tour to one of the best. But you've got to continue to put in the work to stay at that level. And for Tony Finau, he's going to have to continue to put in the time and in and around the greens to stay at this level. But him being at this level sure is a lot of fun for us golf fans because I feel like we've seen it for so long, we've waited for this to happen, and we're finally getting it. And now we're getting it in a consistent clip. I mean, what'd you say, House? Four wins and how many? What was the last nine months? months? Yeah, nine, nine months. months. I mean, yeah. he, he's you know, winning I, one out of every eight tournaments. 
He, he's winning one out of every eight <laughs> I, tournaments he enters right now. So I'm glad awesome. you you mentioned Liberty National. I honestly, it's the benefit of hindsight when you're like trying to connect dots. But that back 930, that did feel like the thing that was like, you know, this is how you go win a golf tournament kind of thing. And it's not like he went on a torrent of wins immediately thereafter. But for sure, that experience, I do agree very much with the notion that winning professional golf tournaments absolutely is a skill uh, and because the, the the golf skill he's possessed, you know, for, for, for so long. So we're all in, a, in violent agreement that um, Top Gun Tony is ready to win a major and LACC could could be that one. I mean, no, nobody would raise uh, a single eyebrow. Um, we are about to embark on this, you know, c- crazy uh, two month run through the next three majors, plus another three elevated events. And then we run into the playoffs. But while we're in this pause moment, uh, and we touched on it a, l- a little bit, like the business of the PGA Tour took a look at itself at the end of 2022 and said, we're going to improve this business. We're going to improve this industry. We're going to improve this entertainment product. And they, they, by golly, went out and did so. And every week we get information about the ratings. In the meantime... The good folks over at the Live Tour have had their own, you know, sort of inward look and have been assessing where they are. And, you know, we've gotten a little bit of of indication about how they're going to um, deliver their entertainment product and the, the team formats and concepts. But comparatively, it's it feels quieter. I'll just say it that way. It feels quieter in no small part because... You don't have guys rumored to be jumping, you know, w- once a week. And and Shane, you got to Free sit at the desk over while that was, yeah, I, It sure seems is. like it, right? We we don't even hear any rumors anymore about meaningful guys making the jump. But w- what's your sense as to like where Live is at its at this moment and and how it kind of um, sees it, itself through the rest of this year? Yeah, it's 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 been really quiet, House. I mean, you know, last year I think the rumors, you know brought it to the top of the headlines and made it very interesting. And as you said, people in the content world, especially in the golf content world, really enjoyed it because it gave us something to talk about week to week. Um, Then you had to watch the golf and you had to pay attention to the golf. And there's been some awesome golf. I mean, there's been some great playing on the live tour, but you know, the problem is you a have to watch it and you B have to care about it. And considering what the PGA tour has done in terms of changing the non-majors, to big-time events that are very, very interesting. You know, we have 24 hours a day, right, House? We sleep seven or eight hours. You eat four or five hours. And then outside of that, we've got to pay attention to the world. And you just don't have that much time to pay attention to these tours outside of what we're watching with the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour, at least for me personally. And so I'll I'll flip it on. You know, I'll flip it on if it's on and see who's leading and check in on the leaderboard or jump online and and see, you know, how's Cam playing or what Brooks is doing. I, I looked at Phil after the Masters, just to see if there was any momentum following the way he played at Augusta National. But really, outside of that, it, it it doesn't really connect with me personally because, again, I just don't have the time to sit around and watch that product. And the product has to get, I don't even know if the term is better. I just think the term is more interesting in, in the sense of golf because right now, outside of just checking and seeing who wins, I'm not really that interested in what it's about and I feel like the team thing was going to carry that along, but I still am not 100% sure 
who's on what team. So that's another issue, right? It's it's what happens after free agency in the NBA is it takes you a couple of weeks to realize who made the move and where they're all at. Do you think there are players who are regretting their decision at this point? We had the Brooks rumors that maybe were real, maybe they weren't. Certainly coming out of the Masters, it felt like with Patrick uh, and Phil and Brooks all playing well, they took a lot of credit for the final round ratings. And then we went into RBC where none of those guys were and the, and the ratings were up too. So it made it a little bit of a harder case. We know that some of the guys who jumped over there really loved the attention. They're definitely not getting it right now. Right. Do you think, do you think there's a future here where either players come back or talks start or is it still just too soon? I mean, the live bot community is still beating the shit out of Rory every time they can. Right. And they have not called off the dogs on that front yet. So there's still some combativeness in place is my point. But what, what do you what do you see about reconciliation, players regretting their decisions? Is there any real fire to some of that smoke we heard before the Masters? Yeah, I, I think it's too soon. I mean, I, I think, you know, you got one major and we got an opportunity to really kind of ingest that and enjoy that. And again, if nothing else, what the live split has done is made the majors even more important. And they were already the most important events in the PGA Tour season throughout the year, right? You were the most excited for those four, and now it's where we get to see these players merge. So I'd say we'll run through this year and see. Um, You know, I think personality-wise for Brooks Koepka, it makes a lot of sense, right? He gets to show up at the majors, the tournaments he matters the most, and he gets to play in those and compete and hopefully get in contention and maybe win. And outside of that, he gets to go to live and play for a whole bunch of money and hopefully win a whole bunch of money. I think, for me, it's really personality, person-to-person. And when you think about you know, what we've seen like Taylor Gooch, I mean, how can he be regretting the decision? I mean, what did he win, like nine billion bucks in two weeks? Well, I mean, he's or, complaining or, you know, about the Australian taxes at this point, too. He's 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 <laughs> regretting that four of the nine million went to the state of Australia. <laughs> just, just part of the game, baby. That's just how that rolls. <laughs> I think, uh, Nathan, your, your question is, I just think it's still too soon. I mean, this is still the first iteration of live, right? Even though it's felt like it's been around for 100 years with what we went through the last 12 months, this is still the first iteration of what we're seeing and how things can change and evolve. And I still don't think they perfected the team spot because to me, again, the team thing is what they should be promoting dramatically. I mean, that should be on the front page. It should be leading everything. Every score could count, should count. As I've said from the start, these are professional golfers. There shouldn't be a single score that's dropped, you know, day to day to week to week. So I still feel like it's too early for people to say, I wish I wouldn't have made this move or I wish I would have made this move for somebody that had maybe been close to signing and didn't do so. What would you do to improve the product outside of the team component? Is there, is there enough variability and creativity in how golf gets played to actually make it compelling enough for, for you? Well, I mean, so stroke play is what we see week to week, right? That's the, that's the main thing. And every time we've tried to differentiate golf tournaments, it hasn't really worked. I mean, look at the Zurich. The Zurich was supposed to be this newfound way to watch golf, and the event's not great. I I think it's great for the players. I think they really enjoy it. But as a viewer, it's not great. You think about the match play. The match play has tried to change itself four or five times to keep people interested and hooked. And while I'm an enormous match play fan, for the general public or the general fan, they don't want to see two middling-ranked players go at it in the finals. And that's always been the fear of match play in the PGA Tour. And so... No, I don't know what the recipe is to make the actual golf more interesting because when this thing popped up last year and we were so excited about 
where people were going and who was going to sign and who was going to say they were staying and then obviously change their mind last second. That was leading and dominating the headlines. The one thing we were never talking about last year that has bled into this year is who was winning the actual golf tournaments. And yeah. if I asked you guys who pay attention to golf week to week and love the sport, how many wins on live does Kepka have? How many wins on live does Dustin have? How many wins on live does Cam Smith have? I bet all of us would get that answer, at least one of them, incorrect. And we know what John Rahm has done this season. We know what Tony Finau has done this season. We know what Max has done this season because winning on the PGA Tour has weight that carries itself for the next two, three, four, five years for these players and who they are and what they're about in terms of a historical figure. So I don't know the recipe to fix the actual golf, but I know they're going to have to figure something out because right now nobody's really paying attention to the results, which matter. Yeah, and and it doesn't help that um, while I absolutely actually admire the approach of kind of a worldwide tour going abroad, totally. it just it makes it impossible to watch. I, I I can't like go find on the CW when the the matchup is for the live version of Live in Singapore. Or I mean, I I, I like I love golf in Australia. It was one of my favorite moments of the last three years. Was watching the Presidents Cup at Royal Melbourne. That was unbelievable in December of all things. But I it wasn't appointment TV for me on the CW. That I think they could sort out. The low-hanging fruit to me is effing gambling. Like, hello, it's what everybody <laughs> it, it w- wants, and they don't. The 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 they're missing all of the infrastructure f- for it. Like, I, I I can't tell week to week who who's playing well outside of you know the rawest of of data. It's like we're back fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, before fantasy and and gambling uh, on golf really came to the fore with the strokes gained information. Do some version of 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 that if if you want my interest. Give me a little opportunity to have a taste. Uh, but the way it is right now, I won't touch it because you know week to week, like you can't see coming a performance like Phil Mickelson over the entirety of his live tour and then showing up at Augusta. And I just don't want to gamble in that kind of environment. That's all. That that that's the thing that I I will not do. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great point, House. And again, kind of going back to the team thing is if that was dialed in, you would be throwing, you know, some bucks on a team every single week and live just because, you know, people that bet on sports are going to bet on those types of things. And the fact that that doesn't really exist or the consistency of how people are playing doesn't exist isn't going to make you gravitate towards that over betting on the PGA Tour or NBA or baseball. And it's a new market. Like it, I would want to get into it. You know what I mean? It, it's fun. It's like it doesn't feel like it, it's it's already rigged against me the way that, that, that the U.S. professional sports are. Well, look, we, we've talked a lot about what Liv has done wrong. I want to ask you, Shane, uh, this this conversation about the World Golf Rankings that's bubbled to the surface. I have a visceral reaction sometimes to the arguments that come from the Liv side because th- so many of them have felt highly self-serving. But to House's point, uh, you know, Phil, <laughs> Phil is is not wrong that the World Golf Rankings are not measuring the quality of players. If you got guys finishing second, third, fourth at the Masters who are plummeting down the down the list, are they right? And if they are, is there a solution here, or is this metric just going to get run over? by the realities on the ground that there are good players over on live who are not being properly measured and the majors are just going to have to find an eye test or something else to figure out how to let these guys in. 
I mean, there's go, there's got to be a solution because I'm with you. I mean, the fact that these players are just inevitably going to plummet to the point where they're not going to be into these invitationals unless they won one or go on to win one is a bummer. I think that's a bummer for golf fans. We want to see the top eight players in live in these major championships. And I'm saying eight simply because those are the kind of the names that come to mind. Maybe there's 10, maybe there's 12, maybe there's 15 players that in theory could be playing well enough to get into to get into a major championship. So they're going to have to figure something out because again, we want to see Cam Smith. You can love live or hate it. Yeah. You want to see Cam Smith and you want to see Dustin, you want to see Brooks, you want to see Pat Reed, you want to see Phil. Like you want to see these guys in major championships because we all know that these are top 100, 150 players in the world. The issue is you start up a new tour and the official world golf ranking says these are our rules and your rules don't fit into that column adjusting is going to have to happen. And again, as I've said, and you've said, Nathan, a couple times, this is so new. This is just about a year old, you know? And so yeah. when you're thinking about something in its infancy, it's just a year old, it's going to take time to adjust and to figure out the best protocol to make this work. And for those players, they don't want to wait. And for fans of live, they don't want to wait, but they're going to have to wait because you can't just say, you know what? You guys got 15 guys who won in majors. Let's adjust the way this works. And now we have to change the entire structure of the way we rank golfers across every tour in the world yep. because there's 15 guys we want to adjust and make into these big events. Yep. I do feel there is a fix. There's definitely a fix because the, the tour can't abide the idea that the majors get all of the the you know the viewership and have the, the best fields. The tour can't abide that. So there needs to be some kind of, um, you know, workout, some kind of resolution. I do want to give a quick shout out. You and Andy Johnson on the fried egg pod on Friday did an NBA comps, uh, (laughs) version and, and the Brooks, Jimmy Butler was like, so on point Brooks Kepka as, as Jimmy Butler, the, 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 you know, because both guys could give a rat's ass about the regular season, but when the lights are on, baby, it is prime time performance. I, I loved it so much. Uh, and Brooks wants to be on television. So that's why I, I, you know, the rumor about him is possibly sort of waffling. It's like, that's, well, you know what? That's a guy who likes to be on television. I'm not that surprised to hear that name first. A guy who we haven't seen in a month. And God bless him. He needed the break. It's Roy McElroy. Um, let's, let's do a little, uh, psychoanalytics from the couch here because everybody wants to know what the, the podcast crowd thinks about Roy McElroy and the state of his game as we come into a place that he's very comfortable and he has shown up at this place, Quail Hollow before out of form, out of order and just shown up in one. So let, let's do a quick sort of, um, level set on, on where you think Rory is and, and you know, ha- has he gotten enough of a break? I mean, I, I, I want to see the guy show up tanned, you know, no bags under his eyes. I want to see him looking good, Shane. I, I mean, I, I think of all the people in golf over the last year that needed a few weeks to regroup after the Masters because, you know, the Masters is the biggest week of his year every year, right? I mean, he gets there and he's the main focus and he gets the questions and we all know what happens if he wins. And he didn't do it. And so he's going to have to leave Augusta again, understanding he's got to go 11 months again, going through the same questions again. And he still hasn't won a major championship either since 2014. So yeah. the break, I think, was very needed. I think he understood stood the repercussions that came with a WD around the RBC. And as you said, why not return to a place that you've played very well at, that you've won at, and that you know extremely well as we get set 
for this quick run of major championship golf. So I think it was probably the perfect move for Rory. And I think if you're a Rory McIlroy fan, you were a fan of seeing him maybe take a break and getting away from the game a little bit because everybody's playing a lot of golf, but not everybody's playing a lot of golf and having to every, answer every single question about the PGA Tour and live and have to do multiple press conferences and do multiple interviews and have to say yes so often to so many media outlets reaching out to you because you put yourself in a position to be the face of this whole thing. So for Rory, I can only imagine how exhausting this last year has been. And if there's any way to focus simply on golf for the next three months, and let's see the game that we've seen with Rory at so many other events show up at a major and finally tick one off because it's been so long. I mean, he could take two years off if that meant another major for Rory McIlroy. I would be totally fine with that hiatus because as we know, the only thing we're going to count for Rory this point forward is is the majors, and we got to see him get another one. I I feel like in business, the way that a CEO creates more time for himself is he delegates. And Rory has effectively been playing the role of shadow commissioner here for quite some time. Do you think in this time off, and this was a lot of media hubbub around Rory taking time off. It seems unbelievably obvious that he would have needed it. Uh, do you think in this time off, he's thought at all about about changing the level of his involvement as shadow commissioner. Do you think it's possible for him to give some of that up to other guys? Is there any sense that other guys are willing to step up and take it? Or is it just his role in history, the the, the vocal way that he supported the tour means he, he's got to do this and it, it's about mentally adjusting to that being his day-to-day reality? Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I really hope that he has either found people that would be willing to take at least a portion of the mantle or take the whole thing because, you know, it's like being the president of your club. After a year of being the president of your club, you're ready to never show up at the golf course again, and it takes two, three months to want to get back out there and just simply play golf. And, and, you know, for Rory, again, he did this to himself, and he did it for the PGA Tour, and he did it for everybody that's playing. So it's a big kudos to the guy for doing this because he didn't have to. I mean, this this is a man that has been extremely successful at professional golf since he started playing professional golf. He has been extremely successful in business since he started investing in businesses. I mean, he is a success across the board. Nicest professional athlete you will ever meet in the world. He does everything the right way. You rarely, if ever, hear anything negative about him. And now he's taken on this. I mean, there are so many hats this guy wears right now. There's no there's yeah. no shock that he's going gray by the minute, right? I mean, this is a guy that's yeah. <laughs> life has to have been relatively stressful over the last 11 months. So yes, Nathan, to your question, let's hope that he has had conversations with the right players because I think that's the key. Is Tiger's got a lot of time on his hands. <laughs> and I mean, maybe it's not a Tiger person that's that's been around for 30, 40 years, even though I think yeah. Tiger would be excellent in that position. But maybe it's a Justin Thomas that you call and go, hey, JT, you're one of the top names in the PGA Tour. You've watched me do this for 11 months. You're somebody that players listen to. Maybe right. it's time that you jump into this role or Jordan Spieth or even a Ricky Fowler, Nathan, who has kind of played himself back into relevance yeah. in professional golf, but has seen it all over the last 10 years. There are names yeah. that I think could step in for Rory and take the jacket because he's worn it and he's worn it well. And I think it's time that he didn't have to do that anymore. What do you expect from Rory just he's going to do a press conference in the next 24 hours. He's been quiet for three weeks. What do you expect from him? He's such a vulnerable guy. You think he's just going to tell the truth or do you think we're going to get some yes. platitudes? 
I, I think he'll tell the truth. I mean, I think he's a guy that's allergic to lies. I mean, you yeah. see how often he's just simply honest about his golf game. You know, I mean, when he loses golf tournaments, he sits up there and talks about it in a in a poetic way that makes us all envious of the way he can speak. I mean, he's one of the great speakers that we've ever seen out of a professional athlete, and he happens yeah. to be one of the top three players in the world. So I think he'll be honest about what was going on in his life in between his ears and probably what happened at Augusta National because, again, I think the weight – I've talked about this on podcasts. I mean, Jordan Spieth coming up at the PGA, and I know we're going to talk about the PGA and picks. Jordan Spieth has weight when he shows up at a PGA championship, but it's not really Absolutely. the Masters. I mean, there's a reason there's only one person's ever completed the Grand Slam at Augusta National and happened in 1935. It is really, really hard to win the Masters when all you're trying to do is win a singular golf tournament, a singular major championship. And for him, it's winning the Masters, joining that lineage and that history, and also completing the career Grand Slam. So I feel like that week probably feels like two months to Rory McIlroy. And if he can step away from it and put the clubs away and not think about golf and just enjoy his awesome life and then return to it, I think we'll get that honesty out of Rory and whatever else was going on when he steps in front of the mic and he'll win over more fans when he does it because he typically does when he talks. Well, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. It's JT. It's Jordan. Like he's super articulate, always up for a, a, a thoughtful conversation. And I would like to see something interesting from Ricky. Not that Ricky is uninteresting. Um, we've had him on, on this show, but I would like, you know, he, he, the investment, in this tour and this tour's legacy. I've not heard him articulate that as something being important to him. Now he flew up with Tiger to the Delaware meeting. I mean, he clearly, and he was 125th in FedEx. So it wouldn't even clear he was going to be in it. So he is thought of in that way. He certainly has the stature. He has the stature amongst his peers and amongst us as, as golf fans, for sure. I just, I'd love to see it. Uh, I'd love, love to see him do it. Speaking of love to see him do it this week at Quail Hollow, uh, we're Shane. We're going to talk about the majors, but we're, we're we're this week in front of us is the Wells Fargo at at Quail Hollow, a, a major championship venue. Give us a name or two that you like for this week. Yeah, I love Victor Hovland this week. He's only played the event once, and and he played it. He played it back in 2021, and he finished top three. You know, you got to ball strike your way around this golf course, and he's been ball striking his way around the tour all season long. I just feel like we're kind of waiting for the Victor Hovland run this summer yep. with the way he's been playing. So I just was going through the list house and I was kind of looking at the top three or four favorites. And then I saw Victor at about 10th. And I went, well, that's where my money would be. Is it Victor Hovland? Yeah. So I'm going to lean on Hovland just because you go through the list of winners here and it is ball striker, ball striker, ball striker, ball striker, ball striker. Do these guys still like this course as much? Did the changes turn some people off? I have a sense that that, I mean, I, I get that, uh, Scheffler and, and Rom need a break anyway, but there's a little bit of murmuring, isn't it? That they made the course worse, not better. I, I don't know if tour guys really care week to week about the actual golf course they're playing. This is like one of my like deep thought theories is, you know, you go on the range and ask who designed this course. And, you know, you might have half the guys know, you know, they yeah. show up and they play and there's certain holes they like or don't like, and there's certain changes they might love. I think it's a great, you know, I think it's a pre- great precursor to what we see in terms of major championship venues and especially what we're going to get at the PGA. So I'd say show up and just see how your game plays is important. But getting your face beat in by a long golf course with deep rough and quick greens and a lot of water, I wouldn't say is exactly the most fun for these guys. But I yeah. think it's important, I think, at this point in the schedule. You know, Nathan, you go 
Augusta, which is incredibly tough, right? I mean, toughest they'll, course they'll play all year long. And then you have a few weeks off, in theory, of that type of golf course, what I would say is a major venue. So you get yeah. this on the schedule before the PGA. I think it's almost a necessity for these guys to just be reminded of what they're going to see in a few weeks of the PGA and beyond. So I feel like maybe it's not their favorite golf course on tour, but it's definitely an important one for them just to kind of measure themselves up once again after a few weeks off from Augusta. And and funny that we don't have John Rahm or Scotty Scheffler playing this week. Uh, <laughs> Rahm got his reps in down in Mexico, defending champion. Understand that. And it seems like Scotty skipped this because he's going to go to um, the Nelson, right? He'll play Dallas Scotty for probably sure. Will play. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the hometown kid. Well, I, I we're somehow only 17 days away from the PGA Championship. Uh, and I have started some of the research on Oak Hill, but I'm not, I don't have my head all the way around it. But when you just described, you know, the, the quail hollow, those attributes, I think that's kind of Oak Hill also kind of sort of right. Um, who, who, who just are you? Hard. Uh, house, house. Just there's hard. a rule I heard year. There's a rule I heard years ago from a golf professional that said, if it has Oak in the first name, it's hard. So <laughs> any of the Oak golf courses are going to beat your brains in. And as you go down kind of the major venues of all the Oaks over the years, uh, nothing easy about it. Hard, tough, you know, crazy rough, long. Also, the weather is going to be something that I know a lot of us have kind of been keeping our eye on because you don't know what you're going to get that time of year in northern New York. So, you know, I mean, it could be really cool and cold and uh, the ball could be going nowhere. Uh, but it's going to be awesome. The changes there uh, were needed, and I think the players are going to like them. And I think uh, as a fan, when you think about a PGA Championship, especially in kind of the modern iteration of PGA Championships where they're not quite U.S. Opens, but they're close, I think this will feel as close to a U.S. Open uh, as you get. And what's interesting is, House, is I feel like this year it almost kind of flips because I think LACC will play probably more like a PGA Championship and I think what you're going to see at Oak Hill will play a little bit more like what you typically see at a U.S. Open. Oh, what a great call that is. I, I will say just from looking at it, for, for some reason, the, the way high up visuals look to me like Southern Hills a little bit. I don't know if that's appropriate or not. But like I said, I'm early in the research, Nate Dog. I'm early in the research. <laughs> you're very early. Well, the, the yeah. PGA has sort of distinguished itself in recent years through course setup right? They've just been sort of lauded for the way that they've handled it. Sometimes you see a, a U.S. Open get a little goofy, uh, depending on who you are, of course. Uh, but but as you look at the guys who are coming in, is this, is this a bit like uh, winged foot in that it's set up really only for a handful of guys who can whack the shit out of the ball off the tee? Or, or is there some more subtlety to the way that they're going to set this up that opens, you know, the, the potential winner list to a little bit of a longer, a longer field? Yeah, I, I think there'll be, I, I think that there's a lot of questions around the greens that'll have to be, you know, answered by some of those players that have success in that area. And uh, yep. second shots are going to be massively important. Listen, I'm picking Jordan Spieth to win, so obviously I'm not uh, I'm not leaning heavily on the Bombers. Um, I just think when I look through the list of PGA Championship golf courses that I feel like he can play well at and that he could possibly contend at, this is one that I think tops one of my lists. So I feel like if Jordan could get it done with the way he's been playing and obviously been very, very close this year in terms of winning but not getting it done, I, uh, I lean kind of Jordan's way at the PGA. So... Uh, I guess that would, to, to your question, I guess that would say it's not just bombers, but, you know, the interesting thing about Wingfoot is what they were like 31% of players at fairways 
at Wingfoot. But, you know, what Bryson did to win was he outsmarted everybody on the golf course. Right. I mean, he just simply, right. he said, okay, this is a 15-yard fairway, and then I'm going to hit it in the right rough because that's where you miss it. And the way he yeah. dissected Wingfoot was really more brain than it was power. And so when I think about players that use their brain to go about their business over the course of 18 holes and then 72 holes, obviously Tiger tops the list because Tiger's the smartest golfer that has ever lived. But lived. But Jordan Speed to me, in terms of modern players that can really understand what a golf course is asking, I feel like he's a guy that could show up. And when he shows up you know, in a couple of weeks, I think he's a guy that's going to look at this place and go, this makes sense to my game. All I got to do is at least, you know, just miss it in the right space, right spots and not, you know, blow up on some of these holes that are going to, you know, basically eject a lot of the players at the PGA. Damn it, Shane Bacon. See, I, I had Jordan Spieth off my list because what you just described. <laughs> house, as, house, he could shoot 80-80. You know Jordan Spieth. Well, I, mean, you, you listen. I, I, I do, but look, what you just described is exactly why I thought he was going to be successful at Southern Hills last year. I had him dialed in. He was like slightly farther down the list than I felt like he should have been. And like people are sleeping. He's got all that around the green magic. And, and he showed up his around the green numbers as he arrived at Southern Hills were hot. And then he, he did, did just fell apart for us. But uh, so I'm, I'm Nate knows I'm already all over the bombers for, for, uh, for the PGA, but we, we don't have to uh, linger there. Um, it's way too early to talk LACC and no, the open championship, not. but let's Never talk about it has. anyways. LACC, you already mentioned Tony Fee now. Is he at the top of your card? No, I don't know. Max is going to win the U.S. Open. It's it's okay. going to be the Max on the right. show at LACC. He, uh, you know, he had the course record there for like a decade before Hagestad shot 59. Um, he's won big golf tournaments there, loves the place, close to home, asks the questions that his game answers. So, uh, I, I listen, Max is going to contend in a major this year. I mean, all the yeah. Max Homa Twitter haters getting his mentions about that stuff. I mean, he, he's playing such great golf and playing – you know, he, he's played consistent golf at big events. People forget that he was in contention at the players last year with a few holes to go. So to me, I feel like this U.S. Open just sets up so well for Max. And, and I feel like, you know, the way he's played LACC in the past, it, it screams uh, uh, at least home of contention. So listen, there, there will not be many bigger Max fans on a podcast at the same time than three of us. Um, <laughs> and, and, and some of us know him a, a little bit a little bit more deeply than the general public does. I, I was surprised at how he played at the Masters, Shane. I really thought that we were going to see him uh, play better there. Do you think, and, and as it always is with him, he takes, the, he takes the L, he learns from it, he goes away, he works it. You can see he's been in the workshop since Augusta, I think. But how, what do you think was going on for him in that moment? Was it that this was really you know, that last psychological hurdle for him to believe that he's good at golf is to play well in a major. And that, that we still were seeing that what we love about him, which is the little bit of self-doubt. Yes, I've won six times, but maybe I'm still not good at golf. Like, what, what did you see from Augusta? And what do you think between there and the U.S. Open gets him to a place where he can actually contend and win that tournament? You know, I mean, Augusta ejects, you know, some of the best players in the world. I mean, we see it each and every year. And I mean, yeah. leading up to that, all the prep that goes into it and everything you can do mentally, you show up Augusta week and the golf course changes Thursday from Tuesday, right? I mean, it's a completely different place once that golf tournament starts. I, I don't take a lot out of the Masters anymore because to me, that consistency run that we used to see from Tiger and Phil, you know, even Jordan Spieth, right, who started his career at Augusta National was so polished. 
He's had those yeah. years where it just doesn't quite work. I mean, I don't take a lot out of bad Masters weeks from these players because I think that there are two things that the modern player struggles with, right? It's prestige and it's money. And money is not really that much of an issue anymore. I mean, we saw what yeah. happened with Bruce Kepka a couple of years ago with that tour championship when it looked like he was going to win the FedEx Cup and he played poorly on Sunday. And you see it at major championships for these players that have won all the money in the world and have done everything else outside of majors. So the Masters just to me is it, it's it's just that that one week, it's this outlier. And I think if you see struggles at the PGA and the U.S. Open and the Open this year, then we can revisit the conversation. But to yeah. me, the Masters is just a hard thing to nail down because you're thinking about it for eight months. You got to play well for two days to get into the weekend, and then you got to get yourself in contention on Saturday. And you have one bad round, and you're done. You know, I mean, it happens yeah. every week at every golf tournament, but to me, it's just amplified at Augusta National. So I don't take a ton out of that week for Max. And again, I think as he's circling golf courses that he's very excited about playing. Gotta be of LACC. course, he loves playing the Masters, but LACC. Oak Hill, and I mean, the Open Championship, as I've said for years, I feel like is his best chance to win a major because he can flight the golf ball so well, and he's got so many mixed plates that he can serve yeah. with his iron play and with his tee shots. It's just going to be a place that I feel like he's going to find himself in contention more than more often than not. Well, you just mentioned the Open Championship. Let's, let's wrap this up with your way-too-early forecast for that one. Royal Liverpool as a successor to St. Andrews. Amazing, amazing, <laughs> right? House, I'm trying to think of who I picked for the open. Uh, I, you know, I, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna change whoever I decided to pick early in the season, and uh, I'm gonna roll out a, a Mr. Brooks Kepka. I, I think. Um, wow. I, I think I, I, I would love to see one of the live guys get a major. I, I just think it would cause chaos Man. in golf, and it'd be a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I, I want to see Kepka win another major. I mean, just because you know, we, we think about these guys by their major wins and to see who's going to get the five and beyond first is going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll lean on Brooks. Well, if you go in that direction, you understand that's a whole nother major se season in which Rory McIlroy has not won uh, a major since 2014. He's my pick. That's my, I'm okay. the Rory truther okay. in this crew right here. <laughs> Shane, I want to thank you, uh, for two things. First of all, I came in, I was a little intimidated because we were texting. I was trying to, we were trying to get the schedule organized and we thought, oh, what about, you know, th th this week today, we're taping this the Monday after some incredible NBA basketball Sunday, but you, you're not available to join this podcast next week because you're playing golf at a, in, in some rarefied air, a very special place. I thought for a minute that I needed to show up today. We're on, on the video together with a real hat. Like I'm, I wore my ringer hat. Cause I thought, you know what, if I wear my ringer hat, then I don't have to worry about a flex in terms of a golf hat and Shane Bacon. God bless him. He did not show up. I thought he might show up with the flex on us. Nate dog. Okay. He showed up with the, the Steph Curry 30, which is the day well, after Steph drops 50 in a game yeah, seven. A little the bit first, like a flex. The, the first, no, but I mean the first 50 in the history of the NBA. That's respect. Yeah. That's my guy right there. Shane uh, listen, th there is, I, I, I enjoy sports too much house. Uh, I live on the East coast. Now I, I have two little kids. I don't get to watch as much sports as I used to, especially when the game started 10, but you know, I mean, I've been lucky as you have to watch some of the elite, elite, elite players do this. I mean, I think back to Serena and Federer and early Jordan for me and, and, LeBron, but Steph, when you watch Steph do it, 
And I know Steph and Jordan get kind of comped a lot in terms of Jordan's speed, but watching him go through his bag, and I was listening to J.J. Redick this morning, and he went through the shot sheet of every basket that Steph made, and it's like runner right-handed, scoop left hand, three-pointer, step back, and it's just a reminder that we think about the guy as a shooter, and he's so much more than that. And, you know, with Jordan Spieth, we think about the putting and his prime, but he's so much more of a player than that. And so I just feel honored, House, that I get to watch these dudes do what they do. And Steph put on a show, man. You got to give the respect. So I had to rock the 30. Well, you you know we feel the exact same way. And I misspoke earlier. I said it was the Friday podcast. It was Shotgun Start, you and Andy Johnson on Friday. So after everybody's done listening to this, jump over to the Shotgun Start. Those guys probably already have three more podcasts in the feed. But go find the one with Shane (laughs) making the basketball comps because it's a really good conversation. I didn't have too many quibbles. I'm really glad that Andy landed on uh, Scotty Scheffler for the Joker. I thought that one was was really sharp. Did, but, did, uh, you, I knew you'd appreciate the uh, the the Anthony Kim Brandon Roy one. I, oh, I thought spe- it, spectacular! I, I thought you'd be a fan of that. I was you a big Brandon what? Roy guy. It's it's heartbreaking. It's, I almost couldn't handle it. It's, it makes me so sad for for both of those guys. But just we, we we're we're so happy we had them in our lives for the for the short time that we did. That, yes, that's the, the belt we'll buckles will never be the same. Well, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on, Nathan. Big fan. House, obviously, uh, been following you for a very, very long time. So uh, first of what I hope is many. Thank you, guys. Many Thanks, more Shay. to come. Thank you, Shea Bacon. Hey, hey, my Eagle enthusiasts. Tee it up on FanDuel this PGA Tour season. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. This week, the Wells Fargo down at Quail Hollow. We absolutely love Ricky Fowler this week as a potential outright. The site of his first win. Victor Hovland is at the top of everybody's uh, board as well. Some guys like Gary uh, Woodland. I'm saving him for the PGA Championship. Rory McIlroy has a history here. Look, you can bet guys to win outright, finish in the top 20, win the head-to-head matchup, and more during the Wells Fargo down at Quail Hollow. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the golf action. The app's crazy easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options and props, including all those finishing position bets, top 10s, 20s, 30s, hole-in-one props, matchups, and much more. And when you win... You can get paid instantly. So aim for some green and bet on the PGA Tour. Go to FanDuel.com slash Roland and sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash R-O-L-L-I-N to get $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Quick disclaimer, you must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. The first online real money wager only. A $10 deposit is required. The refund is issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. If you have a gambling problem, you call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or 
visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, or Virginia. If you're in Arizona, you call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Connecticut, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Kansas, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Um, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Wyoming, 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply this episode is brought to you by evernorth health services costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, my Eagle enthusiasts. Yes, indeed. The most handsome face in all of professional golf, Shane Bacon. It was intimidating. We really appreciate it. I mean, look. I like clicked I said, off the I Zoom. Him. Yeah. <laughs> I thanked him to... for not flexing with it with this hat. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's try and find some winners this week at, at, at the Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow, Nate Dog. Let's see if we can come up with some winners. I, I have a list. It's very chalky. I'm just going to oh. confess that right now. Okay. That's fine. I mean, you should be chalky because in these big boy events, the big boys seem to be showing out. I mean, the thing about this week is we've got unknown Rory McIlroy. We got no Rom and no Scheffler. So if there was going to be an opening, this might be the week in an elevated event this year. So I want to start with something that I gleaned from our good pal, Pat Mayo. 
which is this um, particular venue, um, more so than any other venue on tour, has the closest uh, margin between strokes gain approach, which is always the the most important um, metric for assessing uh, likely outputs, for trying to forecast. Strokes gained approach is where you start. But there is a strong, strong, strong second place finisher, and it's strokes gained off the tee. Hmm. So you have to be a combination of um, accurate off the tee plus long off the tee. That's how you gain uh, against your competitors in that particular category. And it is why Shane Bacon came on. He is, but Jason Sobel likes Victor Hovland. Pat Mayo likes Victor Hovland. Shane Bacon Hmm. likes Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland finished tied for third and the only time he played here and he's in the top, I think he's like 13th and he's in the top, no, no, he's in the top 10 strokes gained off the tee. And most importantly for Victor Hovland, uh, the around the green stuff doesn't matter at this venue. So I'm not going to argue against any of those um, very wizened and smart golf professionals. Uh, I'm looking for names that are not Victor Hovland, Nate Dog. Give me okay. a couple that you like here. I'm going to give you a couple that you're really going to like. And the first is Ricky Fowler, House. Yeah, Ricky Fowler is eighth this year in shots gained approach. He is nestled in between Rory and Homa. He is hitting his irons as well as he ever has at the moment. It has been the driver and specifically accuracy that's been lagging and preventing him from getting the results. The putter is almost back to where it was. In the eight tournaments, starting with Tory that he's played this year, he's gained strokes putting in six of them. Two of them, he was effectively even. And in four of those six where he gained, he gained over a stroke putting. So he really is back. He's got four top tens in the wraparound season. But more interestingly for me, it's the big boy courses. His last four starts, T13 at the players, T17 in match play, T10 at Valero, T15 at RBC. So it feels like he's on a top 10 to 20 heater. But the big boy courses this year, T11 at Torrey Pines, T10 in Phoenix, T20 at Riviera, T13 to the players, T15 at RBC Heritage. So when the lights have been bright this year, he's actually showing out and stepping into it. I still remember him waiting on this golf course to congratulate JT when JT won the PGA Championship here. Feels like you can see it switch around this year. Yeah, so I I have I I love that he's on my list. I'm gonna wager on it just because I I want it um to be the case. Yeah, I went into the strokes gained um off the tee list and just circled a couple names of guys that feel like this is exactly the kind of place, the kind of opportunity, the kind of you know uh it it it's not second tier. I don't wanna I don't wanna disparage it, but it's not it's not. Um, a major that's, that's all I'll say uh, about this, this event. It's, it's a wonderful event and somebody, you know, is going to win a whole lot of money at it because it's a, it's a designated event. Um, but it has a lot of Patrick Cantlay attributes, uh, to, to me, like him going and winning at a, at a major venue where, um, you know, it's not a major this year. Um, his strokes gained off the tee. He is, I think, second to to Scotty Scheffler or third. And then I just feel like Sung JM is overdue. And that's, you know, it's, it's again, I'm not, uh, I don't want to be, be uh, viewed as, you know, being derisive towards either one of those guys. But, but Sung Jae winning at this has a logic to it. It makes sense to me. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and gamble on him. Okay. For, for top 10 and top five. K 
Cantlay, I'll do a top 10 for sure. Fowler, I'm going to top 20 and top 10. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how the markets kind of feel um, as yeah. the week goes on. I mean, th- this also, this also feels like one that Sahith Tagala could, could play a, a real part sure. in. 16 I to like 17 that. cuts this year. Again, showing out at big boy tournaments. He was T4 at Torrey, T6 at Riviera, ninth at Augusta, T5 at RBC. The problem for him has historically been his accuracy off the tee. But in this calendar year, he's figured it out. He's gained shots off the tee in his last six events. So uh, we, we keep talking about him as, as being ready right on the cusp for that breakthrough. And you just wonder if this could be the one for him. I, I just have to say it, House. Cameron Champ played great in Mexico. <laughs> he, That's this is the, the, it is the Cameron Champ way. It, it is the first time that we've really seen him get back on the horse in quite some time. And it's hard because you look at his results and he'd missed like at least six cuts before, before Mexico. So you don't want to get too excited, but he gained over a shot off the tee last week. He was positive everywhere. So I, 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 secretly I'm hoping when you look at Cameron Champ's odds way down, as far down as they are, might be an interesting top 20 this week. I'm going to also, and this is, you know, people will reveal this over the course of the week, so it won't sound like um, I, I'm I'm super deep dive sleeper kind of stuff. Keith Mitchell, um, because of his performance, you know, off the tee and his he has uh, uh, a good um, result in his uh, arsenal at this particular venue he makes a, a lot of sense also i am not gambling on gary woodland but i want everybody to know the reason i'm not gambling on gary woodland is because i already have heavy exposure to him in the pga championship because that's where i want the exposure but um he fits a lot of the metrics that would make sense for for quail hollow also nate dog let's go get it house this is an interesting week we're building up to the major season uh i, I i'm i'm excited there hey one other this week and I, I just hate to say it, but if you're going to look really far down the odds board, Emiliano Grillo was T7 at RBC, T5 at Mexico. Yeah. Gained over yeah. two shots on approach last week. But like each of his last two outings, outings, he put well, gained almost a full shot last week. The only, only caveat here is last week they were really resort course greens. They were slow. This week they're going to be fast as hell. But if you're looking yeah. further down that odds board, trying to fill out the bottom part of your DFS lineup, he may be a guy. Also, uh, you know, he kind of kicked us in the nuts a little bit at the Masters with his final round 80, but you can't um, come into this venue and not recognize Jason Day's history here. Um, mm. He's been around the hoop. Whether he's in form or not in form, he's been around the hoop too often at this place. Nate Dog, I, th- I think we've done it. Those are a, a bunch of good names. I'm going to play him in the fives, the tens, and the twenties in the fin- finishing positions. Maybe they'll be... A uh, little sprinkle. Cam Champ would be. I'm going to go way down and put. You know, that's worth five. That's worth a beer. How much is a beer uh, th- these days? At a in a professional, if you go to a basketball game, it's like twelve bucks. Would I? If, can I put twelve bucks on Cam Champ? Sure. Why not? Okay. Thank you. Good. Yeah, birdie buddies. We we are really about to enter a heavy heavy run here, and we are prepared for it here. At fairway roll and the combination of Nate Dog and I boots on the ground. You you heard Nate Dog? Maybe you didn't hear it. Uh, we talked about this with Shane off camera. Nate Dog will be at the PGA Championship. We will be together at the U.S. Open, and we'll be up early in the mornings having coffee, watching the <laughs> Open Championship at Royal Liverpool. 
Um, unless we can get somebody to pay for the airfare to fly us over there. But in the meantime, look, we're doing our very best to give out some thoughtful uh, perspective on the tour and some thoughtful perspective on a little ROI for all of you. It is absolutely fantastic golf weather here on the East Coast. So please, if you get the chance, throw a peg in the ground and let's hit them straight out there.